feel like I have something to share with you for, for a little bit this evening. Last Thursday night, as hopefully you recall, uh, and yes, I am pretty sure that was last Thursday night, I, uh, I, I shared starting with James, and uh, James talks about a, a, that the tongue is a fire, and he goes on to say that, you know, of beasts and animals, and, and uh, you can put a, a bridle in a horse's mouth, and you can tame all kinds of animals, but the tongue can no man tame, and uh, and then he talks about that that out of our uh, out of our mouths can come blessings and cursings, and talking about sweet water and bitter, and and so the focus last Thursday was really more about that internal, that if we if we have the internal right, if if we are guarding our hearts, if we are doing our job to protect and and filter what goes in then then that's going to impact what comes out but but I really felt led this evening there's a verse that actually for several weeks now keeps kind of coming back to me and and it kind of ties in with last week uh, but actually this this is more about the focus uh, I guess really of our words of what comes out of our mouth so again, Last week was was more focused on what what is in our hearts. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. But uh, this week I, I felt led, and again, really uh, several weeks now. One of the verses that I will use this evening has been kind of just going over and over in my mind and my spirit. Uh, and so we'll we'll get to that one in a moment. So I, I want to start with this, and uh, probably for many of you, a, a familiar uh, verse. You may not know the exact location, but but you've heard it probably a number of times, I would imagine. And that's Proverbs 18 and 21. And this, this proverb says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The Living Bible says it like this, Those who love to talk will suffer the consequences. Men have died for saying the wrong thing. And then the Message Bible says it like this, Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. We all know, or most of us know the, the statement, the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones and words will never hurt me. I have no idea who it was that came up with that and I have no idea how that that, that saying has stuck and been passed on passed down from generation to generation because it is it is as most of us well know it is very untrue that sticks and stones break our bones but words do hurt us in fact i think most of us can attest to the fact that it's much easier getting over a physical wound than it is getting over the wounds that are caused by our words. So again, the King James says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And, and I, I think this, this verse kind of gets used a good bit in the context of, uh, 
what we've come to call or label the name it and claim it uh, idea um, of, of faith and you know name it and claim it and get what you want so speak life and all of that there there's a song I forget the uh, who, who it is that sings it and probably if I could remember I wouldn't uh, give the name just to try to be a little bit respectful but in in the course of it the, the guy is spouting off you know uh, lower interest rates and raises on the job and all this kind of powerful positive stuff that in essence is speaking life I, I don't think that's really the context of what um, Solomon was talking about here when he's talking about death and life being in the power of the tongue I I think there's a much more practical day-to-day application of that. And and really, um, in, in, in our own personal lives, in our walk with God, we, we have a tendency to say things, to, to proclaim, to profess negative things, and, and then also in our relationships with each other. I, I would venture to say there's probably some of you watching that uh, hopefully, if you are um, somewhere in your adult years, that hopefully the Lord has helped you overcome this or is helping you overcome this. But you've had to deal with the negative words of a parent. You'll you'll never amount to anything, or you're you're stupid, or you're you're a mistake. And so, uh, obviously, those are words of death, and you've had to live with those words. So so really that's more the context of, of what I what I feel here this evening um, and the con and, and applying that verse in this context of, of death and life. I, I think there can be some other application. I, I think we ought to speak positive words when it comes to our uh, our lives, our homes, our health, our finances, all of that. That that's all well and good. But again I, I don't think that's the uh, the first and foremost application of what of what uh, Solomon was talking about here so uh, again last week was was what is in here what's in our hearts that's going to come out but kind of like I said in I think the last video I, I shared a couple of days ago about uh, the seed and letting the seed work letting patience work that that's not uh, totally a passive thing um, yes, it's allowing it, but then it's also doing the things that are necessary to help nurture. And, and I think that's the situation with this verse here, um, that, that, that we've got to, um, it's not just simply, okay, if I got everything inside of me right, everything's automatically going to come out of me right. I, I still have to guard. I still have to, uh, I have to be mindful of what's coming out of my mouth, of the things that I am proclaiming or declaring. So so here's the verse, really the verse that, as I've said, is several weeks now, kind of been going over and over in my my mind and my spirit, and, and that's found in Proverbs 15. It's verse number 1. Proverbs 15 and verse number 1, and it says this, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The Hebrew definition of, of stir up there means to ascend. Uh, and, and as most of us have experienced, the, uh, the, the wrong words at the right time 
can cause things to ascend, to stir up, to to escalate. You can cause uh, emotions and, and tension, uh, anxieties to rise because of not speaking a soft word, but speaking a grievous word. The New Living Translation says that verse this way, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. A soft, I don't think soft here is in the context of of, uh, effeminate, uh, soft-spoken as in being weak. It's more so uh, an answer or words that are spoken that do not incite, they they do not instigate, they, they do not stir up, but rather words that tend more towards peace. Jameson Fawcett and Brown says this with regards to that phrase, grievous words stir up anger. He says literally that means make it to ascend. Like a flame fanned by by bellows, the indication of anger rises up to the countenance. I, uh, I know some of you still going to work and uh, you, your job situation is such that, that you are either still regularly going to work. I know of a few folks that are, you're, uh, kind of back and forth. Some days that you're at work, some days you're at home. Uh, and, and then I think there's a good percentage that you are basically home other than, uh, going out for some essential items such as groceries. You, you are, you are home. And, uh, I, I think that, uh, uh, more than any other time uh, in our lives and, and under the circumstances of the situation we're in, we, we in this quarantine slash isolation, uh, I, I've seen and I, I've observed in several different situations, this, this has a way of bringing some things to the surface. I think I've said it already, but we can be so busy uh, with life, running here and there, going to work, working eight, ten hours a day, as many of you do, and some of you more than that, and and you get home in time to rest. And if it's a if it's more regular uh, schedule and times when we're not limited, it you, we've got church activities and other activities. Some of you go from work straight to those things, and then we fill our weekends with stuff and activities and. And so it's very easy to get so caught up in the busyness of life that, that there are some issues that are kind of under the surface um, that, that get brought to the surface. I was, uh, this, this thought came to me the other day and I thought I would maybe use it in one of the daily uh, videos that I've been doing and I may come back and focus on it. But, but I was thinking the other day about the idea of, of a dry dock for a uh, a ship or a large boat, and and as most of you know, that that's where you take a, uh, a, a a ship or a boat, and you actually put it in in this area, and then drain the water so that you can work and do maintenance. and And, and I kind of feel that way right now that God has kind of dry docked us all because uh, he, He's got us kind of in unusual circumstances, and He's. He's having the opportunity, if we will let him, to kind of hone in on some things and focus on some things that 
if, if we allow him, if we let him do what he's wanting to do, the long-term positive effects of that can be extremely significant. And so I think one of the things that happens, and I know there's a few of you that are, that are probably watching or will watch this, that you're, you're single and you live alone. So um, right now, this may not be quite the case, even though even if you're alone right now, I would imagine you can recall some seasons where it wasn't the case. And, and when we're kind of um, uh, isolated, and uh, if I could use this word, and I don't really mean it to sound as negative as it might, but when we're kind of stuck at home with each other, uh, we, we can, if we're not careful, tensions can start to build and and relationships can become a bit strained. And, and I, I, I don't want this, uh, I don't want this verse to come across just in the context of this because as I have felt it the last couple of weeks, it's, it's bigger than these couple of weeks and it's bigger than these circumstances that we're in right now. And so coming out of this, allowing the Lord to help all of us to learn once again or to learn even more what it is to be able to give a soft answer that turns away wrath. A, a soft answer or the right words in a, in a given circumstance, whether that's a family situation, uh, relational situations or ministry situations, even job situations where, where you can learn to speak the right word that's going to cause there to be peace and wholeness and health rather than grievous words that are going to stir up anger. I want to I, I want to talk about something for a little bit. It's it's not uh, you're not going to find this word in the Bible. <laughs> um, uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna do a, a concordance search and be able to come up with this word, but. Like many, many other things, uh, there are principles all throughout Scripture that if we're paying attention, they, they should uh, influence us in this area. And uh, again, this is, this is, as I've said, this is not just about right now in the midst of these circumstances that, that I'm sharing this with you, and, and neither is what I'm about to talk about for a few minutes really what I want to be considered the crux of this of this time here this evening because it's 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 more than than that there's more to it than that however it I I, I want to challenge us as Christians as saints as disciples of Jesus Christ there there is this um there is this uh this thing that I think has become so much uh, more and more a normal part of what comes out of our mouths. Uh, and, and I feel like, and I'll get to this probably a little bit in a moment, I feel like there's some things that have directly communi- or have directly contributed to this, but, but uh, that, that, that's the idea of sarcasm. Uh, I, I know, and at times I actually can myself, those of you that may not have a chance to be around me in a, in, in a day-to-day setting. I, I, um, I have the ability, maybe not quite as good as some others, but I have the ability to, uh, to uh, say some sarcastic things. And um, 
but 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 I, I I think this has become such a common, more of a common part of our lives, uh, not only to the world, but more so now to us as as believers. That that these are some of the kinds of words that are the grievous words. These are these are some of the words that are contrary to a soft answer that turns away wrath. I I've been in situations where I, I especially. Um, in in some more so social settings with couples, uh, where where couples were just constantly sarcastic with each other, not not toward other people that were there, but toward each other, and and I I usually leave that type of situation with just sort of a uh, an icky kind of a feeling. It it just uh, it I, I leave that with concerns. <laughs> about the relationship if that's what the relationship is built off of that that's a very concerning thing relationships are a challenge in and of themselves i we're about to be at 28 years of marriage in a couple of weeks and um i wouldn't trade it for the world um it is it is a wonderful thing i can't imagine trying to live now single without the benefit of my wife and uh, but at the same time, it's it's got its challenges, and it continues to have its challenges. It's it's a normal part of life. It's a normal part of relationships. But if we're not careful, we can add to we can we can say the grievous words that stir up anger, and so and we can end up doing uh, beyond the norm damage. In, in our relationships because we allow ourselves to become less and less guarded with what comes out of our mouths. Richard Chin says that sarcasm has a two-faced quality. It's both funny and mean. Uh, and this is what I was alluding to a few moments ago. Um, if you if you enjoy and you watch sitcoms, that's your prerogative. I, I'm, I'm not here to make a stand one way or the other, uh, but what bothers me about so many sitcoms is is that the majority of of the humor is based on sarcasm. And again, as the the quote I just read, it's usually funny, but it's usually also mean. It, it is putting down of others. And and I, I want to insert this. <laughs> So let me again try to bring a, a more perspective to this. All of you that are that are watching right now, or maybe even watching in the future, that are a part of Antioch Central, that are some kind of ministry leader, whether that's a department head or you're one of the deacons that are leading an oikos. I, I'm just gonna. I, I want to make this very clear statement. I, I don't think sarcasm uh, is is an appropriate thing in a ministry setting. And obviously, especially when that sarcasm is in some way or other derogatory towards someone that is there, a part of the ministry and to be ministered to. I, I, I don't, there, there's, there's plenty of ways to, to enjoy humor and we know the scripture. The scripture tells us the laughter is a medicine. It's a good medicine, but, but not at the expense of somebody else. Not, not at somebody else's expense. And the problem is we become so comfortable 
that we don't even have to think about it. It just it comes out without even a second thought. They're those those funny but mean remarks. The the uh, literary devices dot net. I, I found this little bit about sarcasm. It says this sarcasm is derived from the French word sarcasmor and also from the Greek word sarcasian, which means, now, now, now listen, I, some of you, hopefully you're still taking notes. I know some of you are some great note takers. I watch you in church and watch you in different settings, and hopefully you haven't given up that very good habit. So if you're, if you're taking some notes, those, those words, that French and that Greek word mean to tear flesh. Or to grind the teeth. Tear flesh or grind the teeth. Somehow, in simple words, it means to speak bitterly. Again, as I taught last week, what comes out of our mouths is ultimately showing what's in our hearts. And and you can say what you want to. I don't know if it's easier to be blunt and bold in this setting or, or, or if it's easier actually when we can sort of see each other. But you can say what you want to. You can call it personality. Uh, you can just say it's who you are. But I, I, I'm challenging you tonight that that's not the case. That as Holy Ghost-filled believers, that as children of God, as as saints who Paul says, I, I travail in birth that Christ would be I want you to think for a few moments, just just imagine in some setting that Jesus was in on this earth, that that, uh, as he was going about his daily life, I I would just imagine in one of those settings the words you think were coming out of his mouth. You you, you think it was a a, a constant diet of sarcasm and, and, and things that were funny but yet mean, obviously not. And of course, I know it's it's very, well, that's Jesus. Yeah, well, we supposedly have Jesus in us if we have the Holy Ghost. So therefore, we should be influenced by that. Let me go on and read a little bit more, again, from the literarydevices.net. Generally, the literal meaning is different than what the speaker intends to say through sarcasm. Sarcasm is a literary and rhetorical device That is meant, now get this, to mock, often with satirical or ironic remarks, with a purpose to amuse and hurt someone or some section of society simultaneously. So it's intended to hurt either an individual or society or both at the same time. That's, again, go back to to uh, the definition there, it is to tear flesh or to grind the teeth. A soft answer, a soft answer turns away wrath. Grievous words stir up anger. Grievous words escalate. Grievous words produce strife and contention and tension. I've got, uh, I'm, I'm going to, I think I'm going to pass over. If you'd like to, to hear or read about them, 
just reach out to me. I'll share this. But there's there's several types of sarcasm that are that are listed here, and, and kind of what is what is accomplished by them. I, again, you know, one of the things uh, about sarcasm is the fact that it's usually somebody's expense. Of course, I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. It's not just what we say. Obviously, when Scripture was written, the big thing was what we say. Now it's it's what we post. It's it's what we say online. It's the things we repost. It's the things that we that we that we share that often can be a, a steady diet of, of of sarcasm of grievous words that are ultimately stirring up anger. I am gonna I am gonna take a few moments on this one. Kim Giles says this there are some common reasons why people may be sarcastic and especially not just a you know a, a, a passing statement or phrase here and there every once in a while but more so a steady diet. The first reason is you fear you aren't good enough so you subconsciously put others down so you can feel superior. I, I, I used to especially I guess in my teenage years when I was more understanding than as a child and and, and we kind of had this, um, it sort of became a, a running joke in the house that, that, um, my dad, uh, or more so between my mother and I, my dad would reference somebody in a struggle or an issue and he said, well, they're just insecure. And so my mother sarcastically would at times kind of jump to the punchline and say, well, they're just insecure. Uh, but obviously there was, there was a significant amount of truth to what my dad was saying, because uh, oftentimes the, the people uh, that are the most insecure are the ones that are the quickest to kind of steal the show and, and kind of be in control so that they're not vulnerable. And so therefore, one of the common reasons is you just don't feel you're good enough. And so it's also by putting others down, we can lift ourselves up. Number two is sarcasm is also a way of asking for what you want when you are scared to ask for it directly. Number three, sarcasm may be passive-aggressive anger. Number four, you may feel angry at life for the disappointments or abuse you have suffered. Going back to last week, I, I think we have to take an inventory is is uh, what comes out of my mouth is what I'm saying is it is it an indicator of something inside of me that is off something inside of me that I need God to help me with I I need God to heal me I need some wholeness number five. If you were teased in a cruel way, put down, or made to feel inferior as a child, you may be subconsciously trying to get the upper hand now. And then number six, you like to get attention by entertaining those around you with humor. Again, I, I sometimes I, I don't know. I feel like um, sort of written off as being. Uh, uh, 
to whatever. I don't know what the whatever is. Uh, but as I've said many times, the, the, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, our walk with God should influence every area of our lives. I think another thing we've been able to see these last couple of weeks if we're paying attention is what is the impact that the Word of God and the Spirit of God has on every every area of my life. As I've already said this evening, I think we can get so so caught up in the busyness of life that, that we don't have to really take a honest, truthful look at some things. And then when we're forced to kind of slow down and 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 pay attention and and uh, and and sort of take that inventory, we may realize some things that we've sort of been ignoring or brushing over. Proverbs twenty-five and verse eleven, the King James says a a word fitly spoken, but the New Century version says it this way: the right word spoken at the right time is as beautiful as gold apples in a silver bowl. The right word spoken at the right time is as beautiful as gold apples in a silver bowl. Death and life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Not trying to stir up old wounds for anybody, although perhaps if it's a little too painful, then maybe the Lord's just trying to help you realize it's something you still need to let Him help you and heal you over. But I, I, I'm certain some of you could share the stories of how uh, a word, a negative word, not the right word, but a negative word spoken at the right time. You see, you we, we can speak, speak a right word at the right time. We can also speak the wrong word. At the right time. Meaning the wrong word at a vulnerable time. The wrong word at a moment of, of, of where somebody is in a position or a condition that they need that right word, that fitly word. But when we speak the negative or the wrong word, it has an extremely long lasting impact. The right word. A soft answer, that's the right word. A gentle answer, that's the right word. Fitly spoken or spoken at the right time is as beautiful as gold apples in a silver bowl. And then last verse, and uh, we'll wind down this part of the evening. Isaiah 50 in verse number 4 says this, the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He awakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. Amplified says that verse this way. The servant of God says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of a disciple and of one who is taught 
that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He, he wakens me morning by morning. He wakens my ear to hear as a disciple, as one who is taught. And then lastly, the Message Bible says it this way. The Master God has given me a well-taught tongue. So I know how to encourage tired people. He wakes me up in the morning, wakes me up, opens my ears to listen as one ready to take orders. I, I want you to notice there how that, uh, and, and each of these translations obviously says in a little bit different way, but, but the idea of, of the tongue of the learned is also based on the fact that I've got an ear to hear. Hey, I got a question for you. If what you're speaking is not a word fitly spoken, if, if the primary things coming out of your mouth are not a soft answer that turns away wrath, if you're speaking grievous words that are stirring up anger, then what is your ear tuned to? Because speaking with the tongue of the learned is dependent upon an ear to hear the voice of the Lord. So it stands to reason, ultimately, what I'm speaking in the context of last week is based on what's in my heart, out of a, out of the same fountain, can't come sweet, water, and bitter. But also what I'm speaking is an indicator of what it is that my ear is tuned to. He's given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season ties back in with the with the verse in Proverbs twenty five eleven a a word fitly spoken a a word spoken at the right time he's given me the tongue of the learned to speak a word in season I've already touched on the idea of those of you in ministry. We all, absolutely, whatever level of ministry we're in, whatever role of ministry we're in, we need an ear to hear because we need, we need to be able to speak with the tongue of the learned, a word in season. But let's take it a little more down to day-to-day uh, -day where most of us are right now. In our homes. Husbands. We need to learn how to be able. To speak a word in season. To our wives. Wives knowing how to speak a word. In season. A positive encouraging. Uplifting word in season. To your husband. Parents. Speaking a word in season. A fitly word to your children. We don't usually go to this one, but children learning to speak a fitly word, a word in season to your parents. I know, I know the world, I know the world writes all this off as no big deal, as nothing. It's a, 
it's the norm. It's the it's a daily part of our lives. Again, you, if if you watch sitcoms, I, I I would challenge you the next time to really stop and listen, because you you can't let that in your heart, and it's getting in your heart. You can't let that in without it ultimately influencing what comes out. I think more than ever, and I don't mean more than ever right now in COVID-19. I, I don't mean that. I mean beyond that, before COVID-19. And when COVID-19 passes, if we've ever needed a time in which people need to hear a, a fitly spoken word, a word in season, a soft answer. We're, we're, we're there. Wounded, broken people in our world that have many of them experienced to a, a very deep degree the wounds and pains from grievous words. People living without hope, people in despair. They need a fitly spoken word. They, they, need a, they need a word spoken by the tongue of the learned in season. So, so hopefully, hopefully you've taken some time over the last couple of days and thought about, prayed about last Thursday and maybe you're kind of refocusing, I would hope and pray on, on what's in here on what you allowed in and what you're going to allow in. But but we also have to be mindful of, of, of our words because there's two natures that work. <laughs> there's still a there's still a fleshly nature that we've got. There's still this human side of us and there is always a war that's going on between the carnal man and the spiritual man. <laughs> and, and and the carnal man never wants to say a soft answer. The carnal man never wants to say a fitly spoken word that's going to bring healing and life. And the carnal man wants to, wants to say the, the, um, the tearing flesh, the grinding of the teeth kind of words. So I, I, I challenge you again in this unique season that we're in. Let's let God do some digging. Let's let God do some searching. Let's let God do some revealing to us. We we can get, I'm, I'm a little concerned, we can get so caught up in, in what God is doing in the world and what this is all about in the church that we miss things that God's trying to do in us individually. And I, I personally believe those are not one and the same thing. There, there are things that God's doing in the world. There's things that God's doing in the church. But, but I know there's things that God's trying to do in me personally right now. And I believe there's things God's trying to do in you personally right now. Father, thank you again for this time and these unusual circumstances that we continue to be in. I pray that your word would find good ground in our hearts and that it would produce fruit in our lives. God, I pray that you would help every one of us tonight. I, I pray that whether it's in a ministry setting, whether it's in our family setting, if it's a, a job setting, God, that, that we would 
we would be uh, more conscientious of the words that are spoken and that we would be more aware that our words are producing death or life. That there is great power, not, not power to claim uh, Cadillacs and mansions and money and whatever, but we have the ability to speak death and life into others. We have the ability to speak death by, by, by critical words, by harsh words, by hurtful words, but we have the ability to speak life by a fitly spoken word, by having the tongue of the learned. Help us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.